Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Now today we're going to talk about what happens if you decide, hey, it's time to start a family. If you want to have a baby, is it just okay to be healthy when you're pregnant or should you really work on trying to improve your health before you decide, if you can, to get pregnant? So that's going to be our topic today. I am joined at the table by Dr. Angel Wiley and she has been in practice for over 10 years now, almost a decade. It's making me feel old because I've been here almost 20 20. And you are currently practicing OBGYN at Kaiser Permanente. And you've been doing that for the last year or two, prior to about a year and a half prior to that you were in practice here on Oahu. And today we're going to be talking about, so you decide you want to start a family, when should you start thinking about that whole process? So let's talk about some of the basics. What are the prime fertility years for women? Basically, well, in the olden days, it was from teenage years. It started much earlier. But of course, whenever a woman decides to start a family, ideally, it's in about age, you know, early 20s to late 30s, although many women are waiting longer to have children now after the age of 35. And that puts them in this category called advanced maternal age, purely just based on age. Mm -hmm. In that situation, are there certain things that they need to be extra cautious about? Why do we get worried when women want to have children? You hear about Janet Jackson having a baby at like 50, and Mm -hmm. you hear of other people having children later in life. That tends to be a little riskier. Why is that? Well, as we grow older, our eggs grow older and do have some sort of an expiration date. And over the age of 35, and especially in between age 35 and going upwards to 40, the risk of birth defects increases. Now, women are waiting longer, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't have children after 35. They just become in the category of high risk, or it's actually labeled elderly maternal gravida now, which is not a fun label to have. But yeah, if you see that in your chart, that's not that's not making you smile. That's not fun. But, you know, there's also the young 35 year old who's healthy and who takes care of herself, or there's the 35 year old who might not be as healthy. So it's a conversation we have to have with your healthcare provider. So if you decide, okay, if you do have the opportunity to wait and you don't have an unplanned pregnancy and you you really have planned timing, what are some of the health conditions that would make someone more likely to have a successful pregnancy versus have some trouble either conceiving or even just have some trouble with their body during the pregnancy process? Of course, a hot topic is, you know, BMI or being a healthy weight when, you know, prior to becoming pregnant. Also, women, you know, should have some baseline level of of fitness um, that would be helpful, as well as see their medical provider and rule out any other kind of medical conditions like hypertension or diabetes. And how would high blood pressure or having high sugars affect a pregnancy? Well, high blood pressure can put them at risk for you know, preterm, um, preterm labor, also for preeclampsia or hypertension in pregnancy, which can be risky to the mom and to the baby. And then diabetes, um, good control is usually not a problem, but if they're not under good control, they can be at risk for miscarriage or macrosomia or large baby, or again, preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure. 
And the reason that we worry about that high blood pressure is because if you are getting pregnant and you do have uncontrolled high blood pressure, that could be a risk both for the mom and the baby you Mm -hmm. mentioned. And then if you have uncontrolled pressure and it's just going skyrocketing high, is that one of those reasons why women may go into labor too soon and that might not result in having a baby come full term? Correct, because the cure usually for high blood pressure in pregnancy is delivery. And so a lot of times we have to weigh the risk of mom and baby, and that can mean delivering a preterm baby. So what would be the normal gestational term? A lot of people just think, oh, okay, you're pregnant for nine months and that's it. But what are the average, they talk about trimesters, and let's get really down to the basics. Mm-hmm. So what what is included in trimesters and what kind of numbers of weeks are healthy and how young is the healthiest baby? I think I just asked you like five questions. Yeah, that's a lot. So trimesters are typically, you know, depending where you read, are, you know, from, you know, zero weeks to 14 weeks, 14 to to 28 and 28 to 40, or then you talk about term, there's early term, which is 37 weeks, and then there's full term, which is 39 weeks, and then there's your due date, which is 40, and then post dates, which is after that 40 to 42 weeks. So So a lot of terminology. Sure. So you're splitting the pregnancy basically into thirds. Mm -hmm. And average amount of time that you're pregnant, if you're 37 weeks, 38 weeks, 40 weeks, you're probably full term, you're ready to deliver, and this baby can be healthy, hopefully as healthy as possible when they're born, and have less likelihood of having prematurity or some of those complications. Correct. So the youngest age week-wise of a viable child being born. I realize that over the last couple of years, we've had some significant technological improvements that have allowed babies young to survive. But on average, what would be an okay week to have a child if you had to? Maybe that eclampsia condition, Mm -hmm. some medical concern that's causing your body to need to deliver the child. How early can they be born? Typically, what we counsel our patients is full term. Right now, the standing answer is 24 weeks. Of course, after about 23 weeks, we do have the NICU there to assess. But, you know, the before 24 weeks, it's not a perfect science as to the survival rate. But we, if a patient were to ask me right now, I would say 24 weeks and up. And so prior to that, there's so many risks to the child being born that they may not survive any further because they haven't had enough time in gestation. Correct. And the complications of prematurity? Um, they can have any kind of deficit anywhere from retinopathy of prematurity, blindness, cerebral palsy, long NICU stays. Um, every baby's different. Some babies are born you've, on the news. Sometimes you hear 21 weeks survived, but then again, you can hear about the 26 or 28 weeker that maybe didn't survive due to complications like neonatal sepsis or lo- again from a long NICU stay. So that they're really, I mean, again, it's sort of, as you mentioned, it's not really an exact science. There's so many different things that can relate to the potential outcome, whether or not it goes well or it doesn't. And so that it's hard to know. It's it's one of those things where you hope for the best. I think a lot of times women don't realize and, and men don't realize and maybe humanity doesn't, that it really is this amazing moment where women actually get pregnant and, and have a child. And in fact, prior to even even that process where they go through their first trimester, like 25% of all pregnancies may not make it 
to the first trimester because of some other abnormality, whether it be genetic or whether it be hormonal or timing or something, Mm -hmm. can affect that pregnancy. So the fact that we are all physically here is pretty amazing when you think about it. And so to perpetuate the species, there are things that the body does in order to prepare for this process. And it's not a perfect process. I mean, yet granted, there's billions of people on the planet, but that doesn't mean that there haven't been the potential for other children to be born that couldn't be for some other abnormality that's hard to predict. When we think about some of the predictable things, though, we've talked a little bit about healthy body weight and having some kind of fitness level. We mentioned that, you know, blood pressure controlled, blood sugar controlled, What happens for those situations where women just unexpectedly get pregnant and maybe none of those things are going on? So in your first trimester, if you find out that you're pregnant, maybe your blood pressure isn't good or maybe you were drinking alcohol because you didn't know you were pregnant. What sort of implications do those things have for pregnancies? I mean, it's never too late to start doing things right. But if you've never taken prenatal vitamins and now you're in your first trimester, what, what do you do? The most important thing is to seek medical attention as soon as you find out that you're pregnant. And if you have those medical conditions, hypertension, diabetes, you're out of, you know, not in good control. You know, you establish care with your OB. And if you're deemed high risk, of course, you see the maternal fetal medicine doctor. And then we start at that point and try to become healthy and well controlled for the remainder of the pregnancy. It's never too late. No. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Angel Wiley from Kaiser Permanente. And today we're talking a little bit about prenatal prenatal medicine and what are some of the common misconceptions that people may have about pregnancy and what things you can do and what things you cannot. So when we come back, we're going to do a little myth busting of some of the things that people come in and ask you on a regular basis. And we'll talk a little bit about what the real answers to those questions are. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Angel Willie. I got it right this time. And uh, she's from Kaiser Permanente Medical Center. We're talking today about prenatal conditions for women and how to have a healthy, successful pregnancy. Now, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about how to make sure that you're healthy when you get pregnant, or if not, never too late to work on some of those health conditions to ensure that you're going to have a normal, healthy delivery, hopefully full term. Let's talk about some myths. You know, sometimes people hear things and maybe they heard from their grandmother or they heard from their friends, things that they should and shouldn't do when they're pregnant. So I'll mention what they are. And you tell me, yeah, good idea, not a good idea. Got to watch for that one. So we'll go over a couple of common things and then we'll see what people come to you and ask you in your office. So let's talk first of all about fish. Why do I hear, oh, you can't eat a lot of fish because there's mercury and other stuff in it when you're pregnant? True or false? True, you should limit the amount of fish that you eat because the there is mercury in fish, which can be bothersome whether you're pregnant or not. So all of us should probably not have fish every single day. Pregnant women should probably limit their fish intake to once a week, a four to six ounce serving, which is about the palm of your hand. Of course, the bigger the fish, the bigger the mercury. So like orange roughy, shark, whale, of course, you'd want to stick away from, stay away from those. 
but you know, your average tuna, like one can of tuna a week would be okay. And then the other question I often get about fish is, um, can I have sushi? Can I have raw fish? And the party line is, well, they eat it all the time in Japan. We should be fine here. I think if you had a craving maybe once or twice in your pregnancy and you got it from a reputable place, that would be okay. But ideally, you should have it cooked or at least seared. What does doing the cooking or searing do to the fish to make it safer? It decreases the risk of the parasites in the fish that could be harmful to the mom and to the baby. So it gets rid of stuff you don't want when mm-hmm. you're eating it. Okay. Alcohol. European women drink when they're pregnant. Why can't Americans? I get this question all the time, and there's been no safe amount of alcohol to prevent fetal alcohol syndrome. So in the United States, the answer is none, even though we hear that they drink it all the time in Europe, and they're fine. So because we don't know, it's better safer not to do it. Yes. All right. What about other things like exercise? If you're a runner and you get pregnant, are you able to run towards the end of your pregnancy? Should you pick a different activity? What sorts of exercise is safe? So I think if you're already a runner, especially I run with a lot of marathon runners who get pregnant, and if they have a baseline level of that kind of endurance, they should keep doing what they're doing. They should probably listen to their bodies, and you know if they're feeling overexerted, take it back a little bit. Of course, if they're ever deemed high risk, they should talk to their doctor about decreasing that activity. But I know many women who run marathons when they're pregnant. It probably wouldn't be the time to start training for a marathon if you just got pregnant. That might be something to look for after you have your baby. But the baseline, you know, weekend warrior runners or even the marathon runners should could usually continue what they're doing. So if it's what you like to do anyway, you can keep doing it. Yes. If you're good at it. Or if you're not good at it and you just, your body is good at it so you don't have to worry. Okay. Well, after running, who doesn't like a good massage? Can pregnant women get massages? Yes. It's probably good. It's actually, we all should get massages often, but we don't. But pregnant women can. Um, After probably about 20 weeks, it's probably uncomfortable or limited to lay on your belly. Some massage studios do have tables with belly cutouts. So you could call around and ask um, if that was avail- if that were available. I know some some massage studios will massage pregnant mommies on their side. Or couldn't you just do one of the chair massages? Sure. I mean that that could work. Yeah. Foot massages. Yes. Okay. There is a myth about this area under the big toe or reflexology that massaging that area could throw you into labor, but I don't think that's ever been guaranteed um, or studied, but um, a good foot massage and a good pedicure, a good, you know, self-pampering is is good when you're pregnant. I'm thinking you get a bunch of people that are overdue post-dates and you do that little massage thing with a toe and then you see if it works. I mean, that's people you want to go into labor. All right. Color your hair. Everybody wants to color their hair. Well, maybe maybe they don't go gray if they are in their 30s, but uh, can you color your hair when you're pregnant? You can. I tell people to go to a you know reputable salon. Don't do it in a closed area at your home with no ventilation. Or if you're concerned, wait till after the first trimester. And then it would be safe. Yes. Do you have to use all natural henna dyes or can you use any particular hair dye? I think as long as you don't have any open sores on your head or if you're concerned about the fumes, you could wear a mask during the process. What are some things that people come to you and ask? Often they ask me if they can travel especially living here in Hawaii. I tend to tell people it's best to travel before 24 weeks. We talked about 
um, 24 weeks being when babies are viable. So if you're traveling on the mainland or Europe or wherever, and you were to go into preterm labor, you might get stuck somewhere away from your doctor, away from friends, away from family. And then we don't have really road trips here, but our version of road trips are to the neighbor islands. So I usually tell people 34 to 35 weeks if they would like to go somewhere for a short trip, as long as they're not high risk. Well, we do have road trips. It's called the North Shore on the weekend with big waves. True. You just don't get anywhere. It's more like a <laughs> I'm just going to stay in traffic trip. But it's a beautiful view regardless. Any other common things that people come to you and ask? Like a lot of pregnant women might say, hey, they have an increased libido. Is that something that is okay for them to have intercourse with their with their spouses or with their significant other? Is that going to harm the child at all? I get asked this all the time. And sex is safe pretty much in every trimester of pregnancy, unless you have an issue with your placenta where anything inside the vagina would be contraindicated or, you know, you would be advised against that. But as long as that's not happening, you can have sex up until you go into labor. So as long as you don't have a placental abnormality or maybe some kind of cervical incompetence where the cervix is not strong enough, then you should be fine. Correct. So once you hit that point, when you get to that viability time, what is the difference and why do we see a lot of women have C-sections versus natural deliveries? I mean, you hear often that natural deliveries allow women to recover faster. It's not a surgical procedure. There's all these advantages. And yet we look at the C-section rate in the United States, and it seems maybe it's a bit higher than compared to other developed nations. Uh, It's certainly better in the last few years. I think the American College of OBGYN has really tried to help help people to realize that natural delivery might be the best in a lot of scenarios. But what are some of the reasons people might medically need a C-section? One of the common ones is an emergency C-section. Of course, if the baby's in distress and they're remote from delivery, then that's the only other way out. Um, If the baby is in the wrong position, so feet first, bottom first, um, and they were needing to be delivered, that would be the way they're delivered. And then also with the increase in preterm labor, preterm births, often they are remote from delivery or it might be deemed safer for them to to deliver by C-section. But we are trying to give everyone a chance to have a healthy vaginal delivery and C-section only if necessary. Once you have a C-section, can you have a vaginal delivery after that? You can. It's called a trial of labor after cesarean section. And we always say we're going to try. It also depends on the reason you had the first C-section or if you had a special C-section like a classical C-section. Those women aren't allowed to labor after. But if you had a C-section because your first baby was breached or maybe your first baby was in distress, then you are allowed to try. The idea being that if you don't have any of those contraindications, that midline incision for your classical C-section or some other type of uterine problem, that it might be safer for you. Overall, if you can have a successful VBAC or vaginal delivery after C-section, that's considered safer. What are the advantages? Um, long, Less hospital stay, quicker recovery, less blood loss. But then again, you do have a scar on your uterus, and that puts you at risk for something called a uterine rupture, which... The uterine rupture rate is very low, catastrophic if it happens to you, but with one prior C-section, I usually counsel my patients, let's get you to full term, let's see what happens, and if we can try, we'll try. 
All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Angel Willie. She is working at Kaiser Permanente Medical Center. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about after the delivery, what do we do next? And what are some of the healthy ways that we can keep both baby and mom doing well for hopefully decades to come? We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training, Moyer Financial, and Kaiser Permanente. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with my buddy, Dr. Angel Willie, and we are talking today about healthy pregnancies and what can you do to make sure that you have a healthy pregnancy if you want to or your friends or family members or loved ones do as well. So we talked last time about a couple of myths that are not true during pregnancy and some that you need to be careful with and the fact that vaginal deliveries are generally less risky than cesarean sections for most conditions, although there are certainly some reasons why cesarean sections may be the most appropriate for that individual. Let's talk about what happens after childbirth. So there's a lot of push these days for natural breastfeeding for babies. We found that there's a lot of benefits to the baby, benefits to the mom, and it seems like we're moving back towards that direction. You know, it seems like it swings in pendulums. We either go from Everyone should breastfeed to everyone should formula feed to everyone should breastfeed. And, you know, when we think about things in medicine that go back to the basics, they tend to be where we really should focus our efforts. So what are some of the benefits that you know of of all-natural breastfeeding? There's the maternal and baby bonding that happens and... We really try to push towards breastfeeding now is where we're, you know, where we are now. Um, of course, the, the baby gets some immunity from mom. So it actually helps prevent, you know, babies getting sick. It's supposed to help with preventing air infections later and later on. It helps the mom burn calories and lose that baby weight that they'd like to lose. And um, overall, it, it's, it's the bonding is, is really the bottom line. And how long is it? best to breastfeed. You hear all different things about that. Right. I believe pediatricians push for two years. I tell my patients, let's get you to six months, reassess, and then try to make it to a year. And the reason why they say a year to two years, if a baby's immune system starts to develop around three, four months or so, are there some added benefits? You mentioned bonding. I'm sure there may be there's some nutritional changes or benefits. What else would compel a woman to say, I'm going to keep going with this? It's not the most convenient, but I'm going to keep doing it. There is the cost of formula. Oh, well, that is very okay. expensive. I didn't really realize that till recently when a friend had me go pick up a bottle of a can of formula for a friend who was traveling. And I was like, wow, this is really expensive. So there is the added cost of, I'm not sure over the two years of breastfeeding what it would add up to, but I know for for families, it, it's it's quite a cost. So there's the cost and there's the bonding, as we talked about, the nutrition. And I think if you speak to pediatricians, they tend to have probably from the immunities of mom less Rehospitalizations, less less illnesses, and I knew there were studies about intelligence too, but I I don't I can't quote that directly. Well, and I've also heard some recent things about the microbiome that you know good bacteria in the body, good bacteria in the gut that that actually can be transmitted mm-hmm. from babies to babies from mothers, and that that may be another way to sort of help with some of the issues that people or that babies may get that could affect digestion, absorbing nutrients, and those sorts of things. Things as well. Mm-hmm. 
So that's something that I heard it was true. I heard it was true, too. And the same right. as two truths. There we two go. truths. <laughs> and the same as adults, how we all should be taking probiotics now to keep our healthy digestive system and the biome in check. Well, and I find it very interesting because when you, you know, there was a, a study that was took place a while back. Some poor graduate student, I always think, whose job was this? They had to go to the middle of the Amazon, which sounds all cool and exotic, but they had to collect the the bowels of people who have defecated in the woods. And essentially, they did analysis. And they found that the amount of bacteria that are normally present in the gut in people who live in a non-developed situation is 100 times greater than what is in the average bowels of, of the people that live in developed countries, that in fact, there's something about the microbiome. And these days, you're hearing about more and more about how the bacteria in the gut actually control some of our actions and behaviors. And it kind of blows my mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just just Wow. So I certainly think that there may be something to expressing that microbiome and allowing the, the baby to have that benefit of a mother who has already developed all of these normal bacteria and can share that with the baby as well. So lots of various benefits that certainly can occur when women have babies and they have given birth, whether it be vaginal or whether it be cesarean section, when can they safely get pregnant again? Is there a time frame where they should wait for a while, let their body recover? Ideally, I, the textbook answer is two years to let maternal tissues return to pre-pregnancy. But again, with some mothers waiting to have children, they may not want to wait that long, especially if they're over the age of 35. So it tends to be about a year would be the safe answer, although there are women who get pregnant immediately after although we would probably counsel them to wait at least a year. And the reason is to help the mom to recover, to be able to continue to breastfeed the child that was already born? Mom to recover. Moms can breastfeed while they're pregnant with a new child. Um, but I think for moms, especially maybe if they have a cesarean section, to let that scar heal on the inside and um, just spacing of children. Well, so then that brings up one of the myth busters that we didn't bust, which was you can never get pregnant if you're breastfeeding. Correct. <laughs> no, I think it's false. It I is think that's false. A myth. I have some medical school friends who learned that lesson. Yes. So you could get pregnant because you just mentioned you could actually breastfeed during pregnancy. Correct. And breastfeeding is a little bit of birth control initially when you give birth, but it's not. Not a lot of bit of birth control. It's not a lot of birth control. And you can get pregnant that first period after you give birth, even though you're breastfeeding. And maybe you don't know that you're pregnant because a lot of times you don't have your period when you're breastfeeding. So you start to feel a baby kicking when you're five months along and you're breastfeeding your newborn and surprise. So those MTV stories really do happen. They do. That always blows my mind because I always thought it was sort of just for TV, but it's really true. So that brings me to one of my other questions. What is the latest time in pregnancy that you've ever had a woman in your career present to you say, I never knew I was pregnant? Did it ever happen at delivery? She came in in labor. Really? Never knew? Denial is a very powerful thing, but to this day, she swears she doesn't, she didn't know. So the TV show is true. Wow, that just, it, it surprises me. But it also, I mean, it's, it's, I can see how some women who don't have regular cycles would have all of these uh, 
thoughts that they just don't know what it is. And it's uh, it's kind of a scary thing to have happen, but a joyous one if you didn't have to go through all the morning sickness and everything else. I mean, okay. Yeah. If you were happy and you wanted a baby, look, there you go. You skip it all. That sounds good. So the basic idea is make sure that you're healthy before you get pregnant, if at all possible, and do all those good things that we should all be doing to monitor our, our dietary intake, our exercise, and all those sorts of things to make sure we have the healthiest baby we can. Correct. Lots of good advice there, I'll tell you. Things that I think lots of people would want to know, and hopefully we can help moms and babies to have the most successful pregnancy and also delivery that is the healthiest for everyone involved. I certainly want to thank you for coming on today and sharing your expertise with us on The Body Show. Thank you, Kathy. Well, we're going to have to do it again because there's lots more things that happen once a woman gives birth and things that families may want to know. And if we have a chance to bring some of those stories for you, we absolutely will. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on Facebook and also on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk more about health topics every Monday right here on The Body Show. We'll see you then. 